welcome to the Fishers of Men podcast, brought to you by us at So Much Media. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. I'm Lars Mara. This podcast is about relationships and your walk with Jesus. It's about the true stories of Christian men and women's struggles with chastity, sex, marriage, and relationships in a post-Christian culture. studio with Catholic author Heather King. She's the author of books you might have heard of, such as Redeemed, about her conversion story, or Shirt of Flame. Shirt of Flame? Yes. I hear what St. Therese of Lucia. Her latest book is called Loaded, Money and the Spirituality of Enough. So, welcome. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It's a treat. Well, we wanted to talk to you a little bit specifically about, I know you hate the word singlehood, but to be single and, um, as you put it, just really living celibate um, in this day and age. And finding meaning in that. And finding meaning in that. So, I would love to start with your story, though. I know you talk about it in Redeemed, but for our listeners, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Um, just briefly, uh, born and raised in the coast of New Hampshire, one of eight kids, Protestant, um, wonderful, hardworking, decent family, alcoholism in our family. Not my parents, but both sides, lots of it. I'm an alcoholic, uh, lots of it. And so I was a straight A student, uh, sort of athletic, played the piano, lots going for me. And I had my first drink at 13 and I was just gone for 20 years. Um, Really, really hardcore alcoholism, graduated from law school uh, somehow, excuse me, because I'm very um, driven, Uh, but graduated from law school and passed the Massachusetts bar while I was just in the throes of acute alcoholism and then got sober. That was 29 years ago now. And, um, and got married very quickly, moved to L.A., worked as a time for lawyer here, was not my vocation, had a huge vocational crisis, and quit my high-paying, secure job, um, and came into the church almost at the same time, sort of mid, uh, early to mid-90s, and, uh, and eventually, partly because of the conversion and because of my vocation of writing, um, got, got divorced, the marriage was annulled, um, and and that was 15 years ago. And so I'm a Catholic, and so uh, faithful to the teachings of the church. Um, but there's, um, you know, I think my objection to the singlehood mm-hmm. is like, you know, it's not an objection, but I think in our culture, everything, oh, I'm a proud, you know, we have to wear everything like a banner. And mm-hmm. I think to be single is is it is a wound in a way it's not it's like i wear it humbly it's not mm. exactly what i would have chosen i think it chose me and then i began to see th- it had like this is really how i'm to bear the most fruit mm. um i had a long career quote unquote in the bars a lot of um promiscuity and wounds of various kinds not that that means oh now i'm have to do penance or something, or I'm so wounded I can't have a relation. I mean, I was married for almost for 14 years, but I think the vocation of writing um, and everything that has come from that. When you're single, when you're celibate, you're really you are like a priest in a way. I always, 
all the women who want to be priests, I'm like, what's stopping you? Like, is there not enough suffering in the mm-hmm. world? Like, priest means bridge, go make yourself available. And so I find I'm available in many, many different ways to many different people that, again, I wouldn't, I mean, I'd always rather be alone in my room reading <laughs> and drinking coffee. But, you know, we're called out. And um, so that's what I see. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have chosen this life. But I get so much love from so many people in various ways, and, and I'm able to give it. So that's just a little thumbnail. Um, but, yeah, I think celibacy is just a mystery. It's, yes. yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Um, and there's all kinds of... Uh, yeah, and it's not like, oh, you just make this decision and then it's easy. I mean, it's um, it's an ongoing, unfolding um, mystery and, and a struggle. And in some sense, I mean, Christ didn't brag about being crucified. You know, it's a crucifixion in a way. As is, Mary says, oh, I am just like really, really in trouble, yeah. you know, because you <laughs> yeah. just know, uh-oh. <laughs> well, I think there's really something to it, because, you know, we believe God created man who made it very clear, like, you know, let's be friends, and um, and that, wow, really has uh, been a years-long um, sort of, for me, learning what love really is, mm. where you take the other person's boundaries and desires and wounds and gifts and crazy and like it and take that into you know what I mean yeah. like that has got to be that's what love is it's not imposing yourself on it's not trying to tweak them to be the way that you want that to give you what you need and boy that's it's uh, and if you've got an, a major abandonment wound which yeah. so many of us do it's just you just think, oh, God, like anything but this, you know, mm-hmm. like anything but this. This is the worst thing for my, and then you realize that's why it had to be, you know. like mm. you, And that's what I think our religion gives us. It gives us a sense that th- these are essentially religious experiences where our culture just says, he's just not that into you, <laughs> loser. You yeah. know, it's so, and get on match and you know, sleep around. It's like, oh, how unsatisfying. I mean, I did that for a long time and it was horrible. I don't want that anymore, you know. Yeah, the thought of commodifying myself or trying to like sell myself online is just abhorrent to me. I mean, never ever have gone or would go on a quote dating site. Um, But anyway. It's Um, definitely dehumanizing. I can tell you from personal experience. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time, as we have pointed out, some people actually do find success. Yeah. But it's not for everybody. Yeah, it's not for everybody. everybody. Exactly. But it's fine. It's It's, right. It's God finds his way into, you know. I think so. People find their way. However, yeah, many rooms in my father's mansion. But I think, yeah, just considering that I, for so long, sold myself. So, um, yeah. And plus, I don't. I'm not looking. I'm not really looking to date. Yeah, that's you, what I was. You know what I mean? You. Like, have, you, not, have you kind of given up, or well, it's not. Given, I don't know about giving up. Not, being the same. Yeah, yeah, giving up isn't isn't the term. It's more like I've gotten something a million times better. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, there's this. We all. If you're a woman, I mean, just the whole male energy thing. We mm. love that, and we need that. Um, 
I mean, it's an erotic energy that, which does not, as we all know, necessarily mean sexual. But the whole, um, you know, I've got lots of friends who are male, and some of them are priests, and some of them. I just met this 27-year-old teacher at some at a Catholic high school, and we went on a hike together. I mean, that's the beauty of of sort of being clear on who I am and what. I'm looking for or not looking for, and it opens you to a whole huge um, spectrum of people, both men and women. But no, I'm not looking. I'm not looking to date. And I think at some point, you know, for a long time, I thought, well, I'll just keep it open if someone comes along. But at this point in my life, I really feel like. Um, I feel like I kind of had to make a choice inside myself because otherwise I was going to always be sort of divided. Like part of me would be sort of on the lookout or sort of, yeah. you know that feeling. Oh, I know that feeling. Like, yeah. an event, like one eye on the speaker, one eye like exactly. <laughs> looking around. Yeah. Or even yeah. at mass, like, you know. Are there, exactly, yeah. Especially at mass. <laughs> especially like, at mass. We, we love to find a darling Catholic boy, whatever like, our who's age. Who's walking by in the communion line? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so, and, you know, we all love a good-looking guy. I yeah. Mean, and so you don't give up any of that. And and, um, and I like to look nice myself, so it's not like I go around, you know, I love a nice pair of earrings and a nice pair of sunglasses. And so all of that, it's like, yeah, we don't have to become, you know, I don't feel like I have to be this dowdy. Um, you know, I'm a lay person, um, and I'm very much in the world. Uh you know, I'm like live in the east side of LA, but well, I live in Pasadena now. But you know, that's my that's my demographic. And at some point, I realized, I think we all want to kind of distinguish ourselves too. You know how we want to distinguish ourselves spiritually somehow, or just like have some special badge for our identity. And at mm-hmm. some point, I realized, just blend in for heaven's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, just be in your demographic and. Don't try to dress differently, act differently, talk different, any of that. Um, and and you know, I move in a in a. Uh, I mean, part of part of the the cross, I guess, for all of us. You know, I move among people who. Uh, I mean, everyone knows I'm Catholic, but you know, they'll. I mean, they just don't get you know my inner sort of what my life is kind of oriented toward and directed toward, um, mm-hmm. and they don't have to. Um, so it's kind of this, uh, it's an interesting state. Can, how would you describe that where your life is directed to and going towards? And if vocationally you find that you are identifying and feel comfortable in being celibate, where is, where has your journey taken you and where do you see it going? Well, my identity is, is in Christ. So that's the that's the absolute, mm. um, that to me is the ground of everything, mm. the focus of everything. Um, how can I really um, serve, I suppose? And that's coming from someone who's unbelievably narcissistically <laughs> wounded and full of self-centered fear. But, um, you know, my sobriety is uh, really my my spirituality comes so much from the fellowship of um of alcoholics and um, addicts that I've been very um, active in and really owe my life to, and it's and coupled with in confluence mm-hmm. with 
the church, the, the teachings of Christ, Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And, uh, and so it's this paradigm of death and resurrection. And so my life is, I mean, I'm a writer, so my life is very much ordered to writing. How can I get the, I have to be very careful, where's the time, the, I'm an introvert, I recharge when I'm by myself. So, uh, you know, I like to leave room in my day that, um, so that the unexpected, which comes up all the time, so that I can kind of be present if called upon. I get, a, I hear from a lot of people, I get a lot of emails, so a certain amount of my time is like answering correspondence. There's a lot of people who pass through town. Mm. Hey, I'd love to meet you. Love your work. Mm. Um, you know, that's special. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, it's special, except that when you are thinking like, I'd really like to have my oil changed, or maybe <laughs> do some laundry, get some milk. Yeah. The art of saying no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've had to learn the art of saying no, but I also say yes whenever I can, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, so it's uh, it's a life that's super super um, disciplined. You know, I start out, I wake up every day, and I pray. I mean, I spend at least an hour in prayer. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, and um, and it goes on from there. But it's very, uh, you know, I'm responsible to a bunch of different groups of people, and I have a weekly arts and culture column for the tidings, the Archdiocesan newspaper of LA. So that's. The weekly column is, um, it's, uh, you know, it's a responsibility. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a big joy. But um, but everything is geared toward how can I um, spread the gospel to the to the ends of the world in, in this teeny, teeny way that's mm-hmm. been given to me. Um, and, and so part of that, of course, is, is the writing. Um, we were joking before I came in. I have this new book that's out, and I literally don't exactly know like what day it's coming out. <laughs> and it's partly. It's not that I I totally care, but it's really my. I just feel like just before I die, I just want to get as much mm. of my stuff out there, and then it will be. You know, my job in a sense will be done. Like I'm really aware of. Uh, you know, I'm going to be 64 this year, and as you get older, you really. Uh, I'm so keenly aware of just so wanting to leave the world a little mm. bit better um, mm. or just, you know, to put my uh, my little mark of love on it, really. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a very rich, full, I try, I'm going to go back east and visit with my um, fa- family and I have a bunch of people like invite me places. That's the great thing, too. I mean, like crazy. I have this friend, Dr. Tim Flanagan. He's an infectious disease doctor in Providence, Rhode Island. He invited me to come back to Portsmouth Abbey, which is some, I gather, super rich, like private Catholic boys school Mm. on the water. And they're going to have a conference about what does it mean to be a Catholic in today's world? And I'm going to go as his guest. And so that's the joy and the serendipity of my life. You know, I have a lot of just out of the blue, people will say, oh, do you want to come and talk to my parish in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Mm. Or um, In a lot of ways, that's very Paul-like, where he talks about... Yeah, it's kind of Paul-like. Exactly. Exactly, my little tent, my little, my little Swiss Army roller suitcase that has, like, my coffee in it. Yeah, it's true. I'm kind of a... I'm a super homebody, and I love nesting, but mm. yeah, that's kind of it. And so my life, in a very loose 
way that has all the comforts. I mean, please, I've never gone without anything really, but it's also, you're mm-hmm. very right. It's really not my own in a sense, you know, which is beautiful because you, yeah. you can give to yourself to the gospel and to the work of God in a way that if you're in a family, you know, you can't always get up and go have coffee with somebody that's breezing through town and wants to talk about your exactly. work. And so let alone go across the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's that's a beautiful thing, too, to be able to be available for whatever God calls you to do. You know, because within family or even just a marriage relationship, you know, we are it's clear that obviously that is your responsibility. You're in this relationship covenant in a covenant way, you know, versus to be in covenant with God. And how can I serve you today? And I can be open to that. I think that is a great thing. Um, Yeah, I just what you said reminded me of this quote somebody just told me from Anne Lamott, which is. I decided that the single most subversive revolutionary thing I could do was to show up for my life and not be ashamed. Mm. And it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, it really made me think about how radical, you know, when you're talking about finding your demographic and finding your thing, your place, it, how radical it can be just to be ourselves and just to be in the place that God puts us in. But at the same time, it's so frightening. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and you don't get, and to do it in a way that is hidden and invisible and where you don't, yeah, I have to say, hey, mm-hmm. I'm like hipster celibate woman, whatever, <laughs> you know, like everything. That's your Sounds like hey, a super, superhero. Like 80, 800 selfies of me in my like sexy outfit, that even though I'm celibate, you know, that kind of. Um, schizoid thing that we we see in our self-promoting culture and it's like no it's like it's a real loss it's really it's truly invisible it's Mm, really you don't get kudos for it or no one notices or cares really you know but that's until the seed falls unless the seed falls to the ground and dies it abideth alone if it dies, it bears much fruit, and that is really our faith that, like, mm. you know, because we all feel that, like, really, I'm really trying hard, and I'm really willing to admit, but, like, is it bearing any fruit? Because yeah. I really am feeling like it's not, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that's what that's what we kind of hang in with day by day, and we have the martyrs and the saints and... Uh, and all the witnesses in our daily lives and our family, and also and all our heroes in the in the secular world. I mean, I'm constantly meeting people who I wish I had a millionth of their integrity and kindness mm. and courage, and they are never going to step foot in a church. So yeah. that's part of it too. Yeah, like that's kind of the tragic comedy when you realize you've given your life to this thing, except you're really. It's incredibly like wounded and scarred and imperfect, <laughs> but you know, and sort of mediocre in a lot of ways. It's, but I think this radical, like it's kind of like Anne Lamont said, this radical self acceptance, mm-hmm. and that's Therese of Lisieux too. Yeah, um, absolutely. No one, we don't have to have some special charism, but it's it's have I given everything that I have, however you know, small in the, if you want to do it in a comparison way, that's, I don't think, Therese says, there's one science of which God knows nothing, arithmetic, and Mm. I love that, you know, he's not keeping score, he doesn't line us up and say, you got a 10, like in the Olympics, and you got a 1, no, 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 we're all 10s, yeah, yeah, (laughs) 
That's great. Well, you, you covered a little bit, but just to be more pointed in question, how do you find encouragement for yourself and others and for others and give encouragement to others in, in as far as being single or celibate or in this life where you have opportunity to serve God? I don't want to say alone, but alone. Um, surely you have community and all of those, but mm-hmm. outside of a marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I will, I will sometimes have people come to me with that exact, they're in the middle of a divorce, for instance, and they're mm-hmm. just devastated. So um, I'll sometimes get that specific, how, how do you sort of live, live the single life? Um, I find very few people who sort of like people who are single tend to be how do I get a boyfriend or how do I get a husband like that kind of and that I can't be of a lot of help with because I tried <laughs> like I'm not the person to come to it's like let me know if you figure that one out but I think <laughs> let us know too yeah. yeah and it really has to do I think and, and that's why this it's a universal because it ha- seems to do with the goal has gets to be surrendering to God first and oh, sort of amen. you do with me what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows the desire of our hearts. And, and of course, we get to tell him. Um, but I think when we make that our goal, then what, however it pans out is okay. And it's not okay if you want a boyfriend, of course, like do, do whatever little footwork you can. And maybe the online dating thing is one way, but for me, it's way, way, way deeper. And I think one of the things that has come to me in these past 15 years since I was divorced and, and this, you know, kind of hemorrhaging heart, you know, that, uh, is always going to sort of trickle with this guy, you know, who I'm, um, Still, uh, you know, my heart skips a beat, always, five Mm. beats, you know, when I see him. And we're friends, and it's beautiful, and that is a friendship that has really, I think, borne fruit. I think I can say probably in both of us, certainly in me. Um, But at some point, I realized I have a lot of friends um, who are gay, always have, and I find a lot of people come to me with sexual wounds. People have been molested, people who've been abused, people incest in their families, you know, heavy-duty sexual wounds. And at some point, I realized that my, like, that is a way that we can all literally lay down our, like, physical lives. You know, I realized my obedience to the teachings of the church, just to be in the midst of wounded humanity and often like specifically wounded individual like there's something that is the seed you know and it's just invisible and it's hidden but my like willingness to bear the tension in a way as Christ did on the cross is this it's just this silent hidden witness but because of the incarnation it's just so rich and full do you know just that that presence in the middle that, you know, of course I have my own wounds, but this kind of, okay, this is, I can literally give my body. You know, I never had kids, but that is a way that I can be a mother, even though I'm way past motherhood in a way. Mm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, you know, so then it became 
totally meaningful to me. It's like a way, and that's the beauty of the church. The church, no matter what our station, I mean, I'm a 64-year-old single childless woman. The culture, I'm just like nothing. You know, it's like the older you get, you're unse- you know, you're truly unseen, not in like a life-fulfilling way. But, in, but with the church, everyone has a place at the table. My celibacy, if I live to be 100, um, or, or if I got married, like, but the obedience to the, t- you know, the, the willingness to be faithful to whatever our station is, um, I just really think is, um, yeah, I just saw it's a way to lay down my life for my friends. And, you know, I'm clearly not going to be sitting around with my gay friends and say, hey, guys, or women, you know, like, I'm my... <laughs> My willingness to bear the tension of my own sexual and erotic and romantic longings is like contribute is helping heal. You know, it's like no, that is you know. So anyway, I think uh, you know it's the mystical body. It's a, it's a manifestation of the mystical body, and I think we don't talk about that very yeah. much. You know, we hear like chastity, like these let's be a snow maiden chastity <laughs> talks. <which, laughs> To me, isn't super appealing. Yeah, it's like, or helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, well, let's be practical. like juiced. You know, let's be totally, totally life giving and mm-hmm. enhancing and in on it and excited. That's to me is what our sexuality, whatever, whatever our station is for. It's about. It's like we're yeah. alive. Mm. It's not about who. Oh, I'm in this little bubble and come and get me and I will be untouched it's not you know it's like ooh. um because mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I mean one of the reoccurring themes in all of our episodes it's more <clears throat> about focusing on the things that you do have instead of what you don't have yes and finding joy in what you do have and how you can contribute to the world in what you have instead of bemoaning what you are exactly. lacking and also focusing on who you are in God and who you want to be in God and who yes. God wants you to be instead of what God is keeping from you yeah right <laughs> what you think you need what, yeah exactly no that's exactly it it that's the that's the spiritual principle in mm. a way and it really is how do we see God Mm, yeah. Do we see him as this withholding mm, tyrant? Yeah, of. who everything we want we can't have because it's giver of stones, yeah, instead of bread, yeah, exactly. So that's exactly it. You know, you guys, I heard that reminds me of this. One time I was at mass about a year ago, and I heard this homily, and the the priest was saying, "Oh, I just talked to a young girl, and." Um, she was invited to a party on Saturday night, but, you know, it was basically this worldly party with drinking and people were perhaps going to pick each other up and stuff. Okay, great. So she didn't want to go. I get that. But, and he goes, and do you know what she did instead? She stayed at home by herself and just, you know, was basically miserable. And he, he, put that forth as like that's what a good Catholic young woman does. And I thought, what <laughs> God wants you to be miserable. Yeah. It's like <laughs> what drag? Like don't go to the party, but for heaven's sakes, like Do something else. Yeah, yeah, like have dinner with a friend or watch a movie. Yeah, or stay at home and read and but you don't yeah. it's like there's no self pity in the mm, in the true yeah. follower of Christ. No 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 no. Mm. That's um and it's not to say there's not ex- 
deep, deep, deep suffering and yeah. existential yeah. loneliness sure. and everything. But sure. it's like, no, that's what who, who, we're not doing honoring Christ by sitting at home, like feeling sorry for us. That's not that's not like a Catholic message to me, <laughs> you know. And it's a, and it's a discipline to not lapse into self-pity and yeah. to make that effort and yeah you know for me to be available to people will sometimes say oh what's your next adventure and I always want to say oh dude it's like you know those adventures are like super it's like a marathon you know mm. it's like a pilgrimage and um and it's fun and it's life enhancing it's also super hard work that you literally have to like train for like an athlete mm. uh, um but what else are we here for? Yeah. But to run the race Amen. with yeah. St. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so your latest book is called? Loaded, the spirituality, no, money and the spirituality of enough. It's my money book. Okay. Awesome. And we don't know the exact date, right? <laughs> may or may <laughs> not be out. <laughs> we think it's April 30th. Okay. Like a couple of people have read it. Anyway, yeah. You can order it on Amazon. And what does that deal with? Does that deal with some of these same um, issues with just, it sounds like obviously very specific in money and how to handle it well and all of that? Um. Yeah, but it's it's money's kind of the hook that I hang it on. But again, there's a deep spiritual principle. I mean, just briefly, okay, you know, in our culture, most people are worried about about not having like not being rich enough. Mm. Or it's like I for a long time, this is my money neuroses. No, I was worried that I wouldn't be poor enough. Like this real attachment to being poor mm. as if it were holy, yeah. which I think mm. is something we really struggle with often in the church mm-hmm. because we, poverty, St. Francis of Assisi, Humility. Mother Teresa, the whole thing, mm. and isn't it holy to do without? And that was, I come from a family of eight kids. My father was a bricklayer. There was a lot of financial anxiety and kind of how you mm. could contribute was to do without. And so I really took that and made it into a kind of fetish almost you know, this kind of over-attachment. And then this became this kind of compulsive. I mean, I joke, like, I love how I was, I would try to live on 27 cents a day. I mean, you know, while meanwhile kind of hoarding my money, though, like not wanting to spend it, like, mm-hmm. to go out, like, why would you spend money on dinner when you can eat for beans and rice at home? That kind of thing where it actually becomes, saving money becomes or not spending money becomes more important than community. Mm. And that's when you really know, okay, I'm in trouble. It's like an over, it's, I might as well have been a billionaire, greedy consumer, which I so didn't want to be, but I was just as focused on money. Yeah. You know, actually I've been going through this cause I just got a new car uh-huh. and it's brought up so many interesting yes! emotional things. Um, one of them being that, uh, I found myself with that attitude that I, I felt really guilty for even wanting a new car. Right. And I, uh, also felt unworthy of it yes in a really weird way it sounds like relationship it, it does no it definitely it's, is super related to relationships it is kind of like and that. i found myself almost like putting this weird power on the material possessions right then mm. they don't i thought i was praying yesterday and i felt like god was telling me like really the kind of car you drive doesn't matter all that much mm-hmm. like I, I was putting way too much weight right. on it and worrying about it way too much Totally. It's like, does this mean 
I don't care about the homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. All, <laughs> all kinds of stuff like that. Yes. And it really can be become... like, does this mean I can't be happy with what I have? Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, am I, have I become this grasping? Yeah. And will this car, will it turn me into even more of a materialist? <laughs> You know, but this is the car that I've really wanted for a long time. <laughs> and I did a lot of research on it. That's and it, like it really is everything that I wanted. And But I feel even so guilty just being really happy that I have it. And, you know, but it's really like there's no reason why God can't bless us with spiritual and material things. You know, it's kind of like I really reacted too far to the prosperity gospel, I feel like, a little bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a big time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's really what the book is about, like not like taking this metaphysical significance out of money and um, and using money for what it is really meant for, which is community. It's yeah. like, for heaven's sakes, now I'm kind of like, I actually bought a new car, the first new car of my life because of kind of my recovery around money. And, um, and it's like, okay, drive it to places where you can enhance the world. I mean, look at it that way. Um, and you know, now I like use your money to throw a party for your friends. Like that's what money's for. Yeah. It's not like, oh, let's save it all. Because, like, the fear, you know. Right. It's, that's, that's the problem with the it. The fear, is, like, the money will run out. Yeah. And it's really a lack of trust in God, I totally. think. Totally. Because it's like, if you're really trying to hoard and you really have this scarcity mindset that, like, that there's only so much money in right. the world or, you know, whatever, that's really not... That's really betraying what we say our faith is. Exactly. And who Big God time. is. And how he can provide and how, you know, he's a God of abundance and, you know. Yeah. And he says, Christ says so much about money. I mean, don't put your, this guy who puts all his stuff in a barn, his extra stuff, bad idea. And don't store up your treasure in heaven. Regard the, he's all about, listen, the money, he says it over and over again. Like, do what your heavenly father um do his work and don't worry, you'll be provided for. I mean, I still, I'll, and and it's a wound for me that I know I will also struggle with probably till the day I die. So I think too, there's a, there's a thing of, okay, I've experienced some progress and recovery and I'm probably always going to, when I'm scared, like I always go back to, okay, I'm just going to live on cheese and crackers all week. Like that's where mm-hmm. I go, you know, like I shut down and it's like, okay, God's not holding that against you. And that's not really your thing. It's not about money. It's about it's about the trust, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting stuff. And we don't talk about like it's we're so weird about money in our culture. It's like yeah. the big it's like such a secret. So I really I actually lay out in the book like literally this is how much money I made this year by month. This is what I spent it on. This is what came in. So it's kind of like Oh, wow. Yeah, like Where's I added friend? myself. Because it, isn't it weird? Like none of us, even we don't know our, how much money our best friends have. Or how much, you yeah. know, it's like a super, super taboo. I always just assume and they're why? doing okay. Yeah, I always <laughs> assume they're doing better. 
So, you know, people well, can compare. But I love how you, you know, just to wrap this all up in yeah. the context of relationships. Yes. Um, I love how you say that money is for communion. And I think mm-hmm. that is a beautiful way to look at it because that relieves us of the guilt of like, oh, I'm going out for again with my friends. I mean, yes, we of course have to be wise and responsible with what we have and we have to be responsible to the things we have to pay like rent and also feeding ourselves and, you know, all those things, making our car payments. Yes. But we also don't have to to hoard it and by hoarding it, it's almost as if we're hoarding a piece of ourselves without yeah. you know, yes. spending time with our friends I mean if you want to be um thrifty obviously you can just have a night in with your friends and or go out and not order or like the yeah the most expensive thing on the menu but there's I think there's a mentality there where um you know there's a thing to be said about the community that surrounds uh that surrounds you and your willingness to put money into that and we really when we do that we're keeping ourselves from being a generous person right Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, because uh, I've been going through this kind of, the same kind of thing that you're talking about recently, and I've really been reflecting recently on you know what kind of person do I want to be, I, I and I came to the conclusion like I really want to be known as a kind and generous person, mm. you know, and I I want to you know obviously I, yeah I do want to be a good steward of my money and I don't want to spend recklessly but I don't want to live as if I'm in fear all of the Mm. time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like when I was going to get my car, I was getting advice. Some guy friends that were giving me some advice and they were like, Oh, go into the dealership and look at the salesman. Like he's your enemy. He is, he is there to fraud you out of your money. You need to put on your game face. You need to be the bad cop. You need to, you know, hold your own. And I was like, why? Yeah, I mean, this, this is not an inherently immoral job that he has. Like, everybody hates car salesmen. I, I have a tremendous amount of empathy for him. He's just trying to feed his kids. Yeah, totally. You know? so, yeah it's like, totally. why does he deserve for me to come in and look at him like he's my enemy and be an unkind person to him just so that I can save a few bucks because it really is like I can make more money I know you know it's like I, I, I really didn't see the point in changing who I am and being unkind just to really save what in the long run is not very important. And it's like creating all this negative yes. <laughs> energy. Sure. Like it just didn't make any sense to me. And in the end, you know, I didn't haggle, but because I wouldn't have gone in if I didn't think already that it was a good deal. Right. Right. And I'm much happier because of it. Right. Yes. I mean, it's a good witness as well for you to not pee unkind you know to <laughs> yeah. be kind to one another yeah i mean honestly i don't want to take it be taken advantage of but really like it's like it's attitude yeah it's yeah it's like i i don't need to be saving thousands and thousands of dollars to not feel like i'm not being taken advantage of like i, I just want to come to an agreement where it's like you benefit i benefit right you know well also it's like what do we have to we're like you know followers of christ until we need to buy a car. Right. <laughs> and then we become, no. Right. That's what he's saying, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. No, it's a whole way that we move through the world. And the other thing is, when we have when we have the kindness and the openness and thank you so much for the money, I can afford a new car. Right. Like, people will do stuff like give you a car. Yeah. You know, like, that's what happens. 
your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I mean, it mm. really is about mm. trust, whether it's we're always, you know, our fear that there won't be enough money, there won't be enough love is really... Yeah. Um, well, you said money or love, really. Yeah. Because yeah. there's, enough, there's enough love in the world, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Heather, thank for joining you. us. Thank you. And do you have a Twitter that or a web page that you would like to... Um, my website is just heather-king.com. Okay. Yeah. So you can... I have a blog, and you can see all my books and my upcoming events. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. And you're, and you're based in So Heather King, so awesome. She is very, very eloquent, and I loved everything that she said. You know, she's very well spoken. She has eight books out mm-hmm. at the moment. Is that including Loaded, the one that she yeah. just spoke of? Mm-hmm. Um, so, listeners, I h- highly recommend that you check her out. She gave you her website, and I think she just has so many great things to say. And you know, just she, such a beautiful way of expressing. Yeah, she's herself. definitely using her time. I don't want to say single because we can do this while we have families as well. But she's using her time mm-hmm. well on Earth, and I loved. Yeah. Outside of the context of being single or not, she was talking about when I leave this Earth, yeah. I, I want to leave a legacy of a sort, and yeah. I think that is just beautiful to aspire to, no matter what your status is. Yeah, and so she was also talking about just trusting in God and not even being too attached to poverty necessarily and, you know, being able to trust that God has your back either, no matter if it's money or love and not believing that there's a scarcity of either of those. Mm. So that reminded us both of Matthew Yeah, Matthew 6, and uh, for our Bible verse of the episode, I just wanted to go through Matthew 6, 25-34, and just as I was reading it to Mary Ashley before we hit record, I almost actually started to cry, because Mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful. And I have to say, it's actually, like, my favorite verse. It is really good. (laughs) Like, of the entire Bible, so I'm really excited for you to read it. Therefore, I tell you... Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hair, a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I just love that. We have a Father that is taking care of us, and... 
currently I'm I'm going through some woes of the world of, of financial nature, and God is so good to me. I'm able yeah. to pay rent. I'm able to eat. I'm able to just handle my responsibilities. You know what? Being a freelancer of any sort is so nerve-wracking. Mm-hmm. But I have to step out on faith. Yeah, but I'm a child of a king. Yeah, you know, and I need to know. I need to keep in mind that he is. He's working all that back end stuff out for me. I just don't know what that looks like. Yeah, it is faith. Um, so before we uh, end our episode, as always, we'd like to share a real life dating moment. So I actually got a real life dating moment mm-hmm. from someone else. He declined when I asked if I could record him because he just wasn't comfortable <laughs> with that. But he did give me permission to use it. So is this guy I met that said that he went on a date, first date with a girl. I don't know how he met her, but they went to a bar and there was a concert going on. She ended up getting trashed. Mm. And so he was just like standing there listening to the band and he looked back and she was making out with two different guys that he knew. Like, two guys what? that were his acquaintances that he had only known for, like, a month, though. So, he, they, it wasn't like they were his friends. But she was, like, literally going back and forth, making out with both of them. Mm-hmm. So, then she left with one of them. Mm. And so, this guy, like, went home. But then she called him at 4 in the morning and asked him to come pick her up because she said that she had fallen. And she was, like, she had, like, a cut on her forehead and was bleeding. Okay. And he did. He went and picked her up. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is probably the nicest thing. He was like, yeah, like an idiot. And he was, and the thing is too, he had just gotten out of a long relationship and this was like his first foray into dating. Mm -hmm. And so it made him wonder if he should go back to his old girlfriend, but that relationship had its own issues. And he was like, yeah, I don't date anymore after that. I do not blame you. Oh, funny. Girl makes out with two different other guys on your mm. first date with her. That, that's, oh, I don't know how, like, are they still seeing each other? Are they no. Still, I don't know how you get down with it, but that sucks. For yeah, me. I apologize on behalf of women. <laughs> um, so, you know, I we were talking to Heather about money, because her la- latest book is about about that topic, but not specifically about money. I, I, one of the things that she brought up was how that contributes to your community and how that um, contributes to your fellowship within, fellowshipping with one another and friendship and all that. And so my real-life dating moment kind of heralds back to somebody I was seeing. Um, and I don't, I, I don't want this to come out as like a necessarily flawed thing, but I just don't think he thought about it. But I, in relationship, I like... I would like to think that I'm generous in, if not money, my time. But mm. certainly with this guy, like, he would sometimes come over and kind of like pick through my um, cabinets because he was, you know, hungry. And then I kind of caught on <laughs> and I'd be oh. like, oh, OK, well, you know, he's a boy. He needs to eat a lot. So I'm just going to keep my my cupboard stocked. You know, Wait, so he would just come over and, and eat just stuff. We, yeah, of course, at the time, because we were dating, I was like, oh, that's great. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I could be here for you. And, you know, but it, I just Wait, started. So, like, he would come over and be like, 
open your cabinets and be like, what looks good? Um, green beans and mm-hmm. spaghetti? And yeah, like, really? you would just, like, pick through and... I, I, in a way, he would, he would like, look at me and, like, is this okay? But then he started making it kind of a habit. He would just, like, assume, like, if there was something, like, he would just, he would ask. But it, it was, like, he would always be at my apartment. We'd never be at his apartment because he didn't, like, hanging out with his roommates. And so we'd be at mine and be like, all right, well, I want to be the cool girlfriend. So I'd always, every time I did shopping, I would, like, always have, like, a budget that I would make um. for him. Anyway, this there, there's an end of the story. And <laughs> I'd always buy, like, the good stuff, you know? Like, beef jerky is not... <laughs> it's not cheap and I would just like keep stuff and stuff I would I wouldn't eat I don't necessarily snack but he did and since we were in my apartment all the time I just thought let's you know to be generous or cool or mm. trying to win him over or whatever here's the thing by the way this is the same I forgot my wallet guy <laughs> I was gonna ask that um and <laughs> I just noticed a pattern of he he just wouldn't we'd go out and he'd like you know, we have dinner at my house. I'd like, oh, okay, like, let's save money and I'll, like, cook for us, you know? Yeah. But we'd never go to his house, so it was never... <laughs> He'd sometimes buy groceries and cook, but it was mostly me. And, you know, we'd go out and, like, he would always want to split the bill. Yeah. And I'm just Is this like, the same guy that would ask you for rides places and then not give you gas money? Yes! Oh, yeah. Same guy. Same guy. And I'm just... I, I don't want to necessarily blame that as, like, something he did maliciously, yeah. one-sidedly, and, like, oh. Well, gonna, but like, how is it not going to make you feel used? Yeah, and so, um, I mean, I doubt he'd be listening to this right now, but, <laughs> you know, I, it just made me feel a little disregarded, yeah. I guess. I don't want to say used, because I, I really don't think that was his intent. I just think he just didn't think about it. Again, this has been episode five with Heather King, and we are so appreciative of our listeners. Fishers of Men is a podcast about relationships and your walk with Jesus. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, please email us at fishersofmenpodcast at gmail.com or find us on our website at www.fishersofmenpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook under Fishers of Men and on Twitter as LA Gone Fishing. We'd also love to hear about your real-life dating moments. Feel free to send us a two-minute story about your experience. I'm Laura Samara. I'm Mary Ashley Burton. Until next time, keep swimming. This podcast was made possible by the support of Project Launch in Burbank, California. Project Launch bridges the gap between their clients and their customers through face-to-face direct sales and consulting Go to www.projectlaunchinc.com for more information.